Hey, what's happening? Welcome to the Influential Communicator, the go-to podcast for your weekly dose of storytelling, speaking, and communication bullets to help you craft stories that sell and deliver presentations that win. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani. So without further wait, let's get into it. When I think of an influential communicator, I think of Galem Girmay from growing up in Sweden and for half of her childhood, raised by two foster families, Galim grew up feeling shy, introspective, and taking on a lot of responsibility, extremely young. But those experiences taught her how to be flexible in life. Those experiences taught her how to adapt to change fast. And those experiences taught her how to create authentic, connection-focused relationships that last. Fast forward to today, well, Life's a little bit different. Those moments in her life are the exact reason why she's excelled so quickly as an entrepreneur, salesperson, and podcaster. She's the co-founder of the popular sales community. Rev Genius is the revenue enable manager at user testing and is the host of the impact-driven podcast, What Is Your Legacy? And today, I'm going to be hanging out with Galen specifically to talk about how to build trust and create an authentic conversation and connection with your prospects. Welcome to the show, my friend. What's good? Hey, what's up? This was literally, no joke, the best introduction. Like, I suck at introductions, Ravi. Like, I'm really, (laughs) really bad at it. And I know I shouldn't say that out loud because that's not the right type of affirmation, but it's an area of improvement. And you just, like, helped me. Thank you. That was beautiful. Well, the truth is, I'll receive that compliment, right? I'll receive it with open arms. But the truth is, you have a very, very interesting story, like a lot of my guests. So it wasn't hard to do. But you know what? I I was on your show the other week, and you hit me with some curveball questions, right? Especially the one about choosing between my wife and Kevin Hart. So hopefully, (laughs) (laughs) I hit you with a few curveball questions. I'm still thinking about that conversation and the answer and how quickly you answered Kevin Hart. I was like, whoa. <laughs> My wife, I told her about it. And, she, and I was like, listen, I was on this podcast and this happened. She was in shock. And then she was like, oh, no, it's you. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised. Like, So, ladies yeah. and gents, the question was, do you, do you actually want to tell people the question? Because it cracks me up. Tell yeah, me what so the question. The question was a question that we all received at some point in our lives, right? And I just thought it was a funny, random question. I just wanted to surprise you. <laughs> So the question is, <laughs> if you had to spend three months, 90 days, an entire quarter on an <laughs> island, who would you choose to spend that time with? Option A, your wife, Sophie. Option B, your dog, Nelly. Or option C, which is Kevin Hart. And within like yes. 22 seconds, you're like, Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, anyone that knows me knows like, oh yeah, I'm not surprised. It was it was you know, Sophie was a close second. Sophie and Nelly were oh, close seconds. But you, you know actually what? said, who did you say first? I think I definitely said Kevin Hart first, and then I realized what I said, and then probably said Sophie and Nelly, and then I realized what the truth is, and then I just said Kevin Hart. I think that's what happened. <laughs> it was that was it from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> cracked me up. So hey, maybe we've got a few curveballs in here for you today, my friend. But um, we'll let's let's make it happen. So you know what? 
when I was digging deep into your story and learning a little bit more about you, your childhood, and what shaped you into the woman you are today, it got me curious as to what was the one specific moment from your childhood that you felt was really difficult at the time, but you wouldn't change it for a thing because it's truly helped you as a salesperson and entrepreneur today? Ooh, first part of you introducing this question to me, I thought about a moment, the moment right after my dad passed away. But then you threw a little curveball talking about that's related to sales. And while that's like a dark story that I could tell it at a different time, I would say that the answer to your question is most likely when I lived in the first family, which I lived in for a lot of a lot of years in my early childhood, they had a system. And this system has helped me as not just a salesperson, but that like as a as a functioning human adult. And so what it was that that happened for me was the discipline, the discipline around the home. So they had a schedule for literally everything. So it makes sense that I've now become this person in my own life who loves organizing and structure things, anything from like my home to spreadsheets, like I live for this. But I think it comes from that learning moment as a young kid of living in a home with, you know, eight kids and two adults and learning how to take care of myself, how to take care of other people, how to do chores around the house. And we had a system where you could sign up for which chores you wanted to do and you could, you know, earn money if you did extra things. I was always the first one on that board. Like my name was on it. I would do anything it took to make some extra money just so I had something from like the age of nine, you know, this was like, this is how I hustled at that time. And it worked, you know, but it also taught me as like now looking at my career, looking at my life, it taught me a lot about discipline and the importance of structure, the importance of setting expectations and rewards and all of that actually beautifully ties into how we think about sales a lot of times. So because of that experience, was sales always the natural career path for you or did it twist and turn? Like a lot of people, they don't say I popped out the womb and hey, I realized I want to be in sales. Sometimes it's something they fell into by mistake and then realized yeah. they love. Like what was that journey like for you, given that moment you just shared? So the moment that I shared, that was early, early childhood, right? Age of nine to whatever. Then I entered high school and our senior project. And this is for every student who, who um, studied business. Everyone had to create their own business in their senior year. It can be anything you wanted to. So we became creative. A friend and I started one. And we all had to do it in class. And they had to present it one day. And finally, they said, who wants to sign up for the sales pitch? You can pick one person from each of your companies. You can pitch your product or your service to this uh, panel. And my friend signed me up. She's like, you're the one who's responsible for sales and marketing and all the creative stuff. So you're going to do this. And I was like, shit, I don't want to, but fine. Didn't prepare. I just showed up the day of, you know, started talking about my product that I was selling under our company, which was like scarves, super random, but it was popular at the time. This was like 
2008, nine, maybe like it was a while ago. So anyway, that's what happened. I got on stage, I pitched my product to them and I ended up coming in on second or third place. And that is when it hit me. One, I love this. This was a lot of fun. Like I got that rush, just like you get Ravi when you're like on stage, I got that rush and just like, ah, this is so exciting. Can I do this again? And then the second thing that happened was disappointment in myself. I was like, I know that if I had prepared, if I had found a better way to get ready for this and just been paying more attention and and been a little bit more intentional with why I'm doing this and what I could learn from it, I could have won. And it's that painful moment in life when you know that you could have made a greater effort at something and you would have succeeded. But you decided not to because you were too lazy. You just didn't care enough. Well, you know, it's funny as you were saying that. I was like, you're probably one of the most intentional people that I know. Now? Like, yeah, now. Exactly. So now. I'm curious. Was that moment the aha moment where it was like, hold on, I need to if do every myself, single thing with intention? Yeah, yeah. It, this is the thing. I think a lot of people it can be at any stage in their life and at, at various parts of their lives as they're evolving. But For me, I've gone through a few of those when you realize like, wait, wait a moment. If I had just applied myself more or differently or asked for help earlier or done something different, this would have turned out in a much better direction for me. Well, I'll tell you what, something that has turned out in an amazing direction for you is your personal brand, because recently you were just named Salesforce's game-changing sales influencer you should be following in 2022 with a host of other people in the world of sales. I bet your inbox has just gone crazy with podcasts and interview requests since, am I right? Uh, Yes. So this is the part that gives me anxiety every day since 2020. It, I'm mm. not joking. Like I do get a little bit of anxiety every time I open up LinkedIn because it, I have unread messages from 2020. And this, and no. the reason why I'm sharing this is because you mentioned personal branding. And when I really started to pay attention to myself on social networks and, and how I show up and what I want to accomplish when I'm there, and who I want to connect with, it was in early 2020. And in the past two years, it has grown so much. And I've been to so many different places and and learned so much from so many different people. And it's been incredible, but also you have to, this is what people don't tell you before you start paying attention to something like this for yourself, is the other side of it, which is the responsibility of communicating with other people right? Your podcast is about being an influential communicator. And so I sometimes feel guilty for being the person who has created something for myself and brought people along the journey and and the way to get there, but then don't have the capacity or the energy to give back to the people that helped you get to that place. Mm. So that's where the anxiety, a little bit of guilt comes in because you just feel like I do want to be here because I believe in the power of community and other people helping each other out, lifting each other up. And there are many ways you can do that, but I just feel like there's also the responsibility of someone who is creating content or building a community or trying to connect with other humans 
to be more effective in the ways that we do it. Well, I mean, to say that you have unanswered messages from 2020, I'm not surprised. And I'll tell you why, because you've grown one of the largest sales communities that I know out there right now, you know, alongside um, a few others that we we both know, like Pavilion, et cetera. But this is probably one of the fastest growing in terms of membership that I've seen. Rev Genius. I mean, I suppose you've got your day job, you've got right. Rev Genius, you've got your podcast, you've got the content that you put out. You're a part of different groups. And oh my, there must be so many people just pulling for your attention 24 7. It must be crazy. It is, which is why when we spoke uh, not long ago for my podcast, I said, I've been taking a two and a half months break from this, from podcasting, mm. from creating mm. content, from not completely stopping with the content creation. I've been on and off, but I haven't been consistent like I used to be because consistency yeah. and the ability to be dedicated to what I put my time and energy on and, and put my name on is important to me. And I've got to the point after the past two something years of just nonstop going and doing and so many different things and changing jobs and career paths. I just was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm not done. I just, can we just pause this for a moment? Like, can I just pause this for, nobody is telling me what to do, but that's where I ended up. And I think that's a very real feeling that a lot of people struggle with or have challenges with is to manage all these different responsibilities. And then if you take me out of this and just apply this to the general population, imagine also those who have so many other responsibilities on top of the stuff that they do. They might have a family, they might have um, people they need to care of, they might have pets and all these different things, which just adds to the stress, adds to the anxiety. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really hard to manage, I think, um, in the world that we live in and, and the attention span of people, but this is why it's important to have people helping you get better at the things that still have room for growth. Well, look, it's a gift and it's a curse, but I tell you one of the amazing things that I feel like it's done for me done for others and i want to acknowledge you for this is you're very authentic and i that word i use you know like sparingly because it's mm -hmm. it's so overplayed these days but yeah. you're very authentic you don't worry about wearing your heart on your sleeve you're unapologetically you and you are a magnet to well, I suppose for the people that are truly aligned with your message and you have no problem in repelling those that aren't aligned with your message. And that's just dope. I love that about you. And I think one thing that you've been able to do in an amazing way, which is why I wanted you on the show, was to specifically talk about how to build trust and yeah. create an authentic connection with prospects, but realistically, human beings in general, which poses the question for me as to, how do you see trust? Is it something that we should give people up front or do they need to work to earn it? I don't think there is a one perfect answer for this that fits everyone because unfortunately it depends. Depends on you, depends on me, depends on all the people in the room you're having conversation with. I can't decide how long time it takes you, Robbie, to build trust with me. That's not for me to decide. And it's also not for me to decide that if you're going through something, that you should come to me and tell me that. 
because I don't know at what point you feel like you have, I have earned your trust in order for you to open up and share with me with whatever that discussion or conversation is about. So no, I don't believe that trust is just given. I think it takes time for people to maybe earn that. And there are different levels to what trust means. Trust to me could mean different than it does to you. What does it mean to you? To me, it's the ability to be yourself and to show up in the way that is natural to you and not have to put on like a filter or a mask of some kind to fit in a little bit or to just smooth things over. It needs to be in an environment where you feel safe. And, and trust is built from those type of environments where you feel safe, you feel secure within that uh, relationship. And you also can be vulnerable. I think it's hard. For me, it's been hard to build trust with someone if we haven't had any vulnerable conversations or maybe a little bit uncomfortable conversations. It doesn't have to be vulnerable or uncomfortable conversations about something that happened between the two. It can be about sharing a story that maybe you happened to you or someone close to you that affected you in some way. Something that is personal and I think just the ability to open up and be vulnerable with each other helps build that trust. You know, it's funny, I'd say if I look back at the relationships where I believe there's the most trust or the largest connection and I feel like they're two separate things but we can that's another podcast for another day there there's always been a moment where one of us has gone deeper as in gone beneath the surface and shared something super vulnerable and there's been another story from the other person that's been exchanged or there's been a real understanding where they've made me feel seen or I've made them feel Mm -hmm. seen and it's been like this like this fusion where you can't explain it but you can feel it you know what I'm saying like you can feel it yeah exactly you can feel that energy and I suppose when it comes to doing that with a prospect mm-hmm. my question is is how do you do it with a prospect in an online world that doesn't feel icky spammy or transactional yeah I think the first thing is let's take a step back and look at what happens before you get to that conversation to try to build a connection or trust. The moments that are leading up to the conversation, I think is what sets the foundation for that to naturally happen. And what I mean is like, if you are calling a prospect and you're telling them to say, Hey, uh, now isn't a good time. Actually. Um, could we talk another time? And you say, yeah, why don't I call you tomorrow at nine 30? Is that better? And they say, yeah, sure. That's fine. You better call them at 9.30 the next day in the morning because that is how you start building trust. You keep your word and you pay attention to what they're saying and you're following up on that in a very natural way. So whatever conversation you had, obviously they couldn't talk. Like this happened to me. I called someone. They were on the road. They were heading into a tunnel and we all know how that is in London. And he said, now isn't a good time. I'm, I'm heading into the tunnel here. And I said, that's fine. Let me call you tomorrow. Could I call you at 1130? He said, yeah, that's fine. Mm. I call him the next day on the dot, 1130. He picks up and I go, hey, it's Galem or Galem, as we now learned <laughs> about my name. And he went, oh, you actually called me. I said, yeah, I was 
that let it take him back. I was like, what do you mean? Of course I called you. I told you I was going to call you yesterday and you told me 1130 was the best time. So I'm like, I tell him, yeah, of course. You told me this was the best time for you. So I decided to call you back. And he's like, I really appreciate that. And then we just started talking. And I think that is such a natural like way to just get into it and not make it awkward and not make it weird. But I don't know. I've just always had this natural ability to connect with people in a very human way that isn't like salesy, that isn't uncomfortable. And I try to be as respectful as possible by paying attention to the things leading up to the moment where you do get to have the actual conversation with someone about the business that you're trying to sell. So I think it's just paying attention to what they're saying. It's how they're saying it. The tone, the tone of their voice is really important. And you can pick up on those things too. Once you, if you're a salesperson, you are making a lot of phone calls, you're in interaction with people all the time. You should at this point have picked up the clues to what it sounds like or what it might look like when someone is not interested in talking with you. And you have to respect that and you have to find another way to communicate their preferred way of communicating with you. Well, hey, this is a podcast about storytelling and effective yeah. communication. So I like that tip, especially about when you have a promise that you've given to somebody, a prospect or a human being, fulfill on that promise yeah. so you don't erode trust and make sure that I get your name right after 18 months of having known each other. You know, that's <laughs> funny. That's, that's why she mentioned her name, because I, I said at the start before we were in the green room, I was like, listen. I hear people say Galen, but it's, and that's what I've been calling you for the past 18 months. But is that right. true? She was like, uh, no, like, let, let, let me tell you what it really is. And I was like, so you're telling me I've got it wrong for 18 months or two years, however long we've known each other. She was like, yeah, but most people say it that way. And I felt so bad, man. No, that's, that's an erosion of trust. That is an erosion of trust. That could actually be a huge thing for, for a lot of people, which is another yeah tips that I have because I have challenges. I've had challenges growing up with people not knowing how to pronounce my name, even in Sweden, people didn't know mm. how to say my name. So this is why there's a confusion for people, but it also is so much fun on the other side being me and just seeing people surprised and shocked and they, I don't know. I just like the pain on people's faces. <laughs> it was painful yeah. because even when we first connected, and I can't even remember how we first connected, but everybody was calling you Galen. And I was like, yeah. well, it's Galen then. Like I never actually took the time to sit down with you and say, by the way, is everybody but, calling you Galen? Is that correct? But isn't that, this is the whole point of, okay. So for some people, this could be a big thing about building trust where they just feel like hundred percent, you know, 100%. like, oh, you just don't care do you like that's what some people could think and that has always been my worry so I'm like super cautious I feel like when I was prospecting I mean I'm no longer in a sales role I'm in a sales supporting role in enablement but when I was selling I was always so conscious about this and if there was a name mm. that I didn't know how to pronounce I would YouTube it I would Google it I would like find find out how to pronounce this name correctly not because I care anymore. I used to be offended, actually, when I was younger, when people didn't know how to pronounce my name, I used to be offended by it. And that would rub me the wrong mm. way. Now mm. I'm so like over it. And I'm just like, I, it's fine, whatever. And I'm also to blame for it, like I said, because I have taught people what to say and how to say my name. But back to the point, some people could be very offended by that. So you have to pay attention to see their reaction, you know? I was in a call one time, I won't say which company, but 
I had one of my colleagues in the call with me. I was leading the call and she was just listening. And then she mispronounced my prospect's name and he got really offended. He was like, that's not how you say my name immediately. And I could tell that although he hadn't lost any trust with me, but the way he felt about my colleague might've been like, mm, that she needs to be continue to be included in this. I'm not sure. Cause she, like what, what value did she add? And then she offended me by not saying my name correctly. This could be like a big thing and it can be a numerous ways that, that could be offensive to someone or annoying or just make them not feel as connected to you. Because at the end of the day, yes, they're buying your product because they have a need, but they're also continue to build a relationship and a partnership with your company. And if they don't feel good about that, then we have a problem. I'm with you. And look, hands, is it, what was I trying to say? Hands in the air or like, I hold my hands up. That's it. I hold my hands up to say that I've been in a situation where I've got people's names incorrectly mm-hmm. uh, and people's names wrong before. And I've asked them to correct me. And on top of that, what I realize is that it comes across as though some you're not listening. Mm. It can come across as you're not listening. And that is one of the biggest ways to create a disconnection. Well, forget a prospect with another human being. So it's crazy. It's crazy. But I'll yeah. tell you what, this is funny. I won't say the company's name as well, but I was, uh, I was, this is when I was in corporate sales and I was, I was probably like a couple of years maybe into my career. And this super senior dude sent me an email, like really, really senior. And he called me Rajiv or Rajiv. And I was like, bro, who the hell is Rajiv? I was like, who the hell is Rajiv? In my head, I didn't say it. But I was like, who the hell is Rajiv? This is over email. And I was like, how do I, how do I approach this? I can't even remember what I said, but I definitely didn't correct him. But I think I called him by his wrong name on purpose. So I don't know what, I probably did something really immature, but I was like, man, it's, it's really interesting. It is a one-way ticket to disconnection. But tell me this, because you spoke about that feeling that somebody gets when, or that energy earlier about when you connect with somebody. Now, how can a salesperson know that they've made an authentic connection with their prospects? Meaning what are the telltale signs from a communication perspective? Is it somebody leans in? Is it that they'll say something specific? Is it that their tone changes? What should somebody look out for? I think it's, Simple. I think if we're talking about you're on camera, you're on a video call, right? You can see what they're doing, how they're paying attention to what you're saying. If they are engaging in the conversation or if they're distracted or they're sitting on their phone or are they, you know, I don't know what they might be doing or just turn the camera off. You know, that's, that's like the worst thing because you can't get anything out of that. And if they're quiet, like you don't know what's happening. So I would say pay attention to their body language. Look at where where they're looking around in the meeting, you know, with their eyes. Like, are they looking down on something on their phone? Are they looking at you? Does it seem like they're paying attention? When you're engaging conversations, are they responding back thoughtfully or are they just dismissing it? You can get a lot of clues from behaviors and, and the traits that they have. I think that that's the first thing for me. And, and what I'm thinking about, too, as I'm talking about this is, a particular example that I have with a prospect, and this was by far 
my favorite story because we generally just connected and it was so good. Ended up not actually selling to this buyer, but we made a connection. And so what happened was we were in one of our first calls. We had a few over over a couple of weeks. And one of the first ones, I noticed that he had a couple of tattoos, like pretty tatted up on his arms. And I have uh, tattoos. I, I can't say a couple anymore that offends people. They're like, that's not that's not correct. Like you can't say a couple when you have more than two. <laughs> Wait, oh, does that actually offend people? Do they yes, go, well, yes, really? Yes. What? Like, I'm sorry. I need to correct myself. Um, no, I have tattoos. And so anyway, I saw that on him. I didn't mention it in the first call because that might have come across a bit creepy. So yeah. I decided to not say that in the first <laughs> call. <laughs> but then <laughs> when we connected, I had a follow-up call with him like a couple of days later on the phone. And I said to him, oh, I noticed you had a few tattoos uh, on our call the other day. I thought it was, you know, really cool. And I was curious, like, uh, where'd you get them? Because I have a few as well. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh, really? Like, what kind of tattoos are you into? And and that's how we connected. I saw Mm. something. There was a few things about him from the exterior of him and and how he had showed up and things I had done on my research on him that gave me clues to who he is and what he's interested in. But in none of that research could I get from what I saw on camera. And I wouldn't know what is our opportunity to connect. Because that's how I think about it. There's always at least one opportunity with each new person that you meet or come across that you can connect about something with. And so I came in with that mindset, like there has to be something we can connect on. And there were things that I had done research on, but it wasn't until I saw him on camera and I made the connection that, oh, he got tattoos. I got tattoos. This is a great topic of conversation. Even though it's outside of the conversation of SaaS sales, we're talking about something that would connect us and, and bring us closer to open up the conversation for business. And I think that's how we need to start looking at this more because when, when we get to know another human being, it's not always what can I get out of you as a person? It's also like, what do we both relate to or connect on or have in common? Where's the common ground for us to find out whether we like each other's company or want to continue these conversations? So that that was like my ticket in with him to build that connection with him. And he ended up being the champion for me in this deal, which didn't finish. But he was that person and he became the go-to between me and the decision maker, his boss. So that really helped. And that's just kind of been my thing, finding at least one thing we can connect on that's personal to them and start the conversation. And then once you start one conversation, get into more conversation, you pick up something there. There's so many natural, I think, ways and and seeds that you can plant as well, Um, like what type of conversations or when you're in your first presentation and, and you can start off talking about your favorite book or favorite hobby and you know, learn more about them that way to build that trust connection. So you're always looking for commonality, ways Mm -hmm. you can build a connection with somebody. And I find that very interesting because I see a lot of myself in what you just said and that approach. But it's funny. I think if you scroll on LinkedIn, you can spend about 15 minutes looking at sales posts and confuse the hell out of yourself if you're a new salesperson Mm -hmm. because you can lose touch with what makes you, you. And if you double down on that, you'd be so successful versus 
ask this engineered question and it makes you look inauthentic, but you're like, hold on, I did everything right. Why is it still not working? But it's because you're not bringing the most unfiltered version of you to the table. So I love that. I love that. Now, in person is coming back with a bang, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's coming back with a bang. I'm loving it. I love the energy of in person. And my question to you is, is what's the biggest mistake that you see salespeople making today when it comes to the first interaction that they're having with a cold prospect. Let me give you an example, okay? Say mm. you've got a um, a stand at a conference and your sales team are there and they go, oh my God, that's Ravi. We need to go chat to Ravi because he's a, you know, he's a great fit for our product. He's, he's, he's exactly our ICP. What is the mistakes that you'd be like, hey, don't do this when you approach Ravi because I've seen people bomb on this before that people make in that first interaction? The most transparent answer I can give you is I'm not sure. I'm not sure because one, I haven't been to a conference. I've been to in-person events, you know, but like recently I say after COVID, but it's been a couple of years because even before that I was barely at conferences uh, in those types of events. I could tell Mm -hmm. you about networking events, what not to do or what to do, but I just think, yeah, networking event. Networking yeah. event. Cool. I, I think the general thing is that if you know of someone, don't be creepy. Like, <laughs> no, but seriously, because this is the thing. You got to explain. You got you. You got to yeah, explain to me now. I am hundred percent explaining because what I mean is this: I am the kind of person that when I'm not working, you know what I love to watch on Netflix? Um, Selling Sunset. No. No. Oh my God. I, do you hate no, that? No, no. I'm into like crime shows and crime. Documents. Oh, okay. So I, you know, okay. So I got me, it wrong, but I digress. What I like about them, like if I could change direction in life, I can be anything I wanted to be. I would be a private investigator. That's how really, yes, 100%. I love it. So it's fitting that when you're in sales, you do research on people and you try to. Yeah. Uh, get contact with them and you're emailing and you're calling and if you're like anything like I was when I was selling was like super persistent because that is the other thing with sales you have to be very persistent you have to be very consistent with your processes and your methods but persistency is the key so as I kept calling and calling and calling and doing research on someone and after a while you start like feeling hey I know Ravi because I know this, this, and that about him. I've done the research. I heard on this podcast. I, I know a lot of things about him. But what you miss out on is that Ravi doesn't know anything about you. <laughs> so don't, be creepy. don't show up to a conversation with someone. <laughs> no, seriously. Whether it is on an event, like a conference, or a networking event or a birthday party or whatever. If you happen to see someone that you know something about, don't like, don't give them all the information. I don't know. Like it's going to come across like, why do you know so much about me? And this makes no sense. Like, who are you? Mm. So that is my advice. If any, it's like, just don't be, be less creepy and be more human. And like, be in touch with, no, but seriously, just be in touch with what it's like to get to know someone. Like what I want to focus on is, is what are the things you should be doing more, which is be more curious, be more interested in the other person and be more attentive. 
stop like looking at your phone. Don't take notes on your phone because that's what I see a lot of people doing as well. It's rude and can come across as if you're not paying attention to what this person is saying when you're trying to have a conversation. So I would just say like pay attention to that and how you approach them. Like if you're not making eye contact with someone halfway across the room, don't start yelling their name and wait for them to come to your booth. Like that's just weird. Ladies and gents, you should have seen her face when I said selling sunset. She she paused. She was like, is this guy for real? Is this is this no, dude? I was, I was gonna answer you and say, I've actually recently given it a shot because one of my very good friends has trying to convince me that I should watch it. And I said, fine, I will give it a shot. And I watched a few episodes and it's now my background show. Oh, okay. Okay. I appreciate that. You know what? I loved it in the first few seasons. Now I'm a little bit bored, but I digress. I love what you said, by the way, about the lack of creepiness. I just find that word hilarious. I don't know why. It's just like, it's because, because I think it's, it's so easy to be unintentionally creepy in today's world. And I'll tell you why, because let's say if somebody has seen or listen to every single one of your podcasts and seeing your content for two years and they meet you at an event, you've done such an amazing job of building your profile on LinkedIn uh, and with your podcast, et cetera. They're going to be like, oh my God, I feel like I could just hang out with her. And it, you're, you're going to be like, whoa, like, I don't even know who you are. And they're like, oh my God, do you remember that time in Sweden? And you're like, how do you know that? You know what I mean? <laughs> You know what the best part is? That this actually something very similar to it happened to me last year at my birthday party. So the very Tell good me. friend of mine who loved watching this, what's it called? The Sunset Show? Selling Sunset. Selling Sunset. Perfect. There we go. We had a birthday party and someone came and literally the first thing I was like, just saying hi to everyone and came up to this group. I was like, hey, like, thanks for coming, whatever. And the person went, oh, you're Galen. I know you. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> nice to meet you. Like, what's your name? <laughs> yeah. And ended up just like knowing so much about me, which is nothing like I've shared this information. It's nothing creepy with it. It's out there because I've shared it. But the way that they went about it the first time, I was like, this is an interesting approach. A little bit creepy that you know so much about me. And I literally just found out what your name is but okay let's go with it and we actually ended up vibing and having a great conversation and we met up like a few months after that and uh you know we're now friends which is cool but the way it started so like first impression is important it is important but it depends on the recipient are they willing to change their perception of someone after the first time and I mm. don't think that most people are. I think most people will make judgment, the first impression that they have of someone and keep it going from there. Whether that was a good first impression or a bad one, I think that's what most people tend to do. But I have learned that I don't always have the first best impressions with people. So I always give others a second shot. That's very interesting. What made you say that? As in, have you had an experience where somebody said to you, you know what, I, I didn't have a great impression of you, but actually yeah. I love our vibe. Really? Yeah. Is that something that you've experienced a lot? Yeah. Yes. I've experienced mm. that when I lived in Sweden, I've experienced it when I lived in the US. Like, yeah, it, it's happened when people come to me 
And typically those are end up being the really, really tight, good relationships with people. And when they are uh. building that connection with me and, and we have like set a level of trust with each other, then they share with me and they say, this is how I actually thought about you or felt about you in the beginning or at this particular time. And it's, mm. it's interesting, which is why I think that you shouldn't judge people the very first time because you don't know what they're going through, what they have going on in their worlds that might either make them into whoever version that you met or that's just who they are. That is such an interesting point and comment. And I, and I respect that. I think that's a very interesting way to look at it. And, you know, going back to this individual that had this fanboy or fangirl moment is funny because then they had the ability to tone that down and actually have a human conversation yes. with you versus if they were like fever pitch 10 out of 10. Oh my God. And do you remember that post that you, you'd be like, okay, they've fallen in love with this perception versus the human exactly. being behind it. That'd be weird. Exactly. Yeah. That would be creepy. That would be creepy. So <laughs> tell me this. That's, that's the word of the show. So tell me this. If a salesperson has broken trust with a prospect, like that colleague that you said who got that prospect's name wrong, what can be done to rebuild that bridge? Or is it once it's burned, it's game over? No. And you know what? Let's take it a step further. It's not always for you to fix a broken bridge that you did something to, to make that a bridge that you now need to fix. It's not always on you. It can also be when we're talking about working in sales, moving different companies, because this happened to me too. Move from one company to the next, come into the new company. I'm prospecting this one uh, account and it's all outbound. Like outbound is my favorite way to go and that I believe the most in. And so as I'm outbounding this account, I get into this exact situation where they go, oh, we talked to someone else a little while ago. And yeah, that wasn't for us. It didn't work. And I was like, wait, hold on. What happened? I was like, genuinely curious. I'm like, what do you mean? What happened? Like, did you not see value in the product at the time? Or was it something else? And as they started to open up more, as I started to ask more questions, and I would generally just curious, like, what happened? I'm not saying I'm selling you anything. I just want to understand so I can move on from this, if that's the direction we need to go. And that kind of disarmed them. They started to open up and they shared with me that two of the previous sales reps, how they handled the conversations or how they didn't follow up on something that they said that they would do. Those moments really mattered to them. And those were the moments where the other people had not fulfilled and they broken the trust with them. So they ended up saying, you know what, we're not interested in your product because this, this doesn't work. Like we can't even communicate. So what I had to do was to give them space and say, I completely understand that you feel this way. And I'm new. I haven't been here when these other people were part of the company. And I'm sorry that they didn't do X, Y, and Z for you. Is there anything I can do to make the situation better right now? Is there anything that would be helpful to you right now? Then they would tell me like, yeah, let's maybe do this. Let me do that. And it's those moments that matters too in sales. You have to learn how to take on other people's broken relationships, something that they left behind and did not make it easier for you to make that next connection. And they broke the trust, not only with that person, but they have also a connection with the company that you're associated with. And so it's not always you. It's not always personal to you. Like Ravi, you are the one who messed this up. No, no. Ravi represents the company and the company messed this up. Whoever was selling within that company is a part of that problem. 
And that's the association for the prospect. And so that's what I learned too. I said, okay, let me not take this situation personal because literally I have nothing to do with it. It's a situation between the prospect and the company that I have to rebuild. I did not expect you to say that. Uh, that was an amazing response. Ladies and gents, go back, rewind that, write down that script because you're going to need to use that in the future because everybody's come across that before. Yeah. And then they've been on a call, an existing prospect that's in the pipeline that they need to reinvigorate the relationship. And they've been burnt by a previous relationship inside of the company. And they're like, we don't want to deal with you. So that's an amazing way to handle it. I love the cool, calm nature as well that you uh, that you delivered that in as well. Now, my final question to you, my friend, is when it comes to influential communicators, you know, you've got your dip your toes in so many different areas of sales, building communities, being a salesperson, having a quota, now supporting salespeople. You've done so many different things. Who do you look up to as somebody who communicates with influence that you go, you know what? I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to implement that. There is not one person that fits all those boxes. And what I mean is like, I go to different people at different times, depending on what my need is and what it is that I need to hear or learn or understand. And so that's why I have multiple people for that. It can be if it's work related, then I have a few people in my team that I would go to for specific things. Like I have one that's really good when it comes to presentations and communicating in that way. So I always go to her. Then I have someone else who is really good at just like specific things too. I can be very particular. So for example, transitions for me when it comes to presenting content. Transition is huge. How do you go from one topic to the next in in a natural way that doesn't seem like choppy and awkward? Because I'm all about like, let's be smooth in the way that we talk. And the tone is important to me. So it needs to come off very natural. And it only does Mm -hmm. if you have a natural transition from one topic to the next. So have one particular person I know I can go to about that as well. So I can break it down depending on the situation and the context in which I need help in order to be a better communicator. And then I can tap on those people and ask them for help and guidance. I like that because the truth is, is when I'm going through something personally, I've got different friends Mm -hmm. that I look to for support for different things versus one individual. So I like that, my friend, ladies and gents. Galem Girmay. Now, listen, my friend, where can people go to learn more about you and hang out with you online? Uh, LinkedIn, obviously, that's uh, the one spot. And um, so find me on LinkedIn. I would say if we want to have a conversation, which I'd love to have with people, uh, do not message me on LinkedIn. Find me on Instagram. (laughs) I've I've had people do that, which is like so much better. So uh, First and last name, Yalam Girmay on both LinkedIn and Instagram. I'll say those are the best places right now. And don't be a creep, people. All right, listen, (laughs) don't be a creep. Anyway, next week, ladies and gents, same time, same place for another episode. I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Oh, okay, okay, hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, I tell you what, 
that's exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be predictable here, okay? Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review if you got some value from today's episode, okay? So if you wanna impact people, remember, you need to learn how to influence them first. 